you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. Chris Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com, thechrisvossshow.com. Hey, we're coming here with another great podcast. We certainly appreciate you guys tuning in. Be sure to refer the show to your friends, neighbors, relatives. Ask them, have you found the light, the wonderment, the calling of your life? Have you subscribed to the Chris Voss Show on iTunes? If not, get them to join. It's almost a religion. It's almost like being a family, only we love you for who you are. We don't judge you. Anyway, guys, subscribe to the show. Refer to show your friends and relatives. Go to youtube.com forward chest Chris Voss. Hit the bell notification button. See all the wonderful things we're reading and reviewing on goodreads.com forward chest Chris Voss and see all of our groups that are like all over the internet. Anyway, guys, uh, we're going to be talking today with a really brilliant founder and CEO. He is the founder and CEO of a company called Agio. His name is Bart McDonough, and it's a hybrid managed IT and cybersecurity services provider specializing in the financial services, healthcare, and payments industries. He has a deep institutional investment in knowledge with more than 20 years of experience working in cybersecurity, business development, and IT management within the hedge fund industry. His core strengths are assessing, defining, advocating, and driving the adoption of risk management strategies, controls, and models that have enabled organizations to advance cybersecurity resiliency well, successfully complying with evolving regulatory requirements and behavioral transformations. Welcome to the show. How are you, Bart? I am doing great. Thanks for having me. That was a mouthful. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. I was, I was, I was having to dodge around my camera to read it off the screen yeah, too, no, as well. well so there's, well done. there's a bit of going on there. So welcome to the show. Give us your plug so people can find you on the interweb, sir. Yeah, best way to find me on our company website, agio.com, A-G-I-O.com. And then on my Twitter handle, Bart McD, B-A-R-T-M-C-D. Cool. Tell us, let's start with you. What, what, what is some of the life history on you? What got you interested or down this road where you got into this business? <laughs> yeah, so I grew up in Oklahoma. I was born in Arkansas. I thought I was going to go into law for a half second and worked at a law library. And next thing I was running the the computer lab for all the wannabe lawyers. Uh, and the same thing happened in finance. And I started running all the IT systems. And so I love technology. I've always loved technology. And so I really just finally decided to lean into it and pursued it through my kind of 20s. I worked at a very large hedge fund, SAC Cap, grew that very large, started from being a help desk guy to, to really architecting a lot of large systems. And then in 2010, left because I saw a big need in specifically the hedge fund space, but other financial services business where they they really needed a very good partner to help them do the good blocking and tackling uh, of IT. And then we made an acquisition in cyber and kind of the rest is history. But that's the, the very quick origin story. There you go. And so you eventually decided to start your own company? Yeah. Yeah. So in 2010, after assessing the market, 
I saw this really blue ocean. I think there was a gap between the very small outsource providers, the mom and pops, and then there was the very large outsource providers. And there wasn't any of those kind of in between that, that understood enterprise technology, understood what it means to scale a business going from 500 to 1,000 people, 500 to 2,000 people, and, and the technology required to do that. I saw that space, so launched Agio in January of 2010, and the rest is history. What excites you about this sector of business? You know, I personally love making complex things simpler, mm. and I love helping individuals, whether that's train training them on cybersecurity issues to defeat the, the bad guys or to help a business think through their challenge and put together a suite of options to help them grow in, in, in a right way. I think the world right now with all the great new SaaS applications and, and technology out there is just like dumping a box of Legos in the floor and someone who has the right kind of mindset can take those Legos and build something really great. And that gets me super excited. That's awesome. And it's a dangerous world, too, with ransomware and all sorts of the ransomware is getting really out of hand. For sure. Yeah. We're shutting down pipelines. And One of the things that's happened is in the 2000s, when you think about cyber, there was the win, if you will, if you were a hacker and, and you compromised something, it was a little bit of street cred. There wasn't a lot to really benefit from it. And then over the last, even this is in a two, four, five year period, the hackers have learned how to really monetize their skills. And then it became a business. And you're talking about businesses, whether it's from a nation state like North Korea or real you know, crime organizations in Eastern Europe. You're seeing some of this pop up in the Middle East. And their main weapon has been ransomware. And then at the same time, we've had this proliferation of devices, of applications, of workplace locations. And it's, I, hate to, I think the term perfect storm is a little overused. But it really is what's happening right now. We've had this monetization and proliferation of, of devices and systems, and you're just seeing the results of it now. Yeah, it's really crazy, and it's being really disruptive. And it's interesting that it seems to be coming from one nation that we can't uh, ever seem to get under control or deal with. It's really a weird balance. So what kind of integrated IT and cybersecurity services does your company provide? Yes, it's a mouthful. The term now is managed IT and managed security. Historically, it's been outsourced IT and outsourced cyber. We think of it as a service as opposed to paying us per call or paying us per incident or ticket. That's really an antiquated model. And really, the industry is still pretty antiquated. There was a great skit on Saturday Night Live in like the 80s about calling the help desk. And the the, the guy on the on, on the phone and the help desk simply just said reboot and would hang up. And that's how the industry works today. And we want to turn that on its head and really think about a flat fee model, a per device model, where we're incented to deliver a great service. The industry is somewhat perverted in that if, I, if a client has more problems, their provider gets paid more. It just wow. doesn't make any sense. The incentives are all misaligned. And so we're trying to turn that on its head. So for those listening in the audience, what's your primary client base or what sort of clients are you are you seeking for the business or work really good with you? Yeah, so we right now are really focused on the financial services community, hedge funds, wealth managers, investment bank, private equity, venture capital. That's our that's our primary. We also have a, a really emerging nice business focused on healthcare, kind of anyone outside of the large payers, large hospital systems. Really, and so one of the things that's an action that, that that we see is that these businesses that are as small as five people, really up to about five hundred, 
are our sweet spot. We have clients up to 1,500, 2,000, where we do a portion of their IT or cyber. But that kind of, and I know it's a wide range, but really what kind of the U.S. government defines as a small business, which is pretty much anyone under 1,000 employees, um, that's really our sweet spot right now. We do really well in that space. Nice. So about a year and a half, you guys challenged the traditional mode of technology support right at the beginning of the pandemic. Tell us about what that is, what that means, what you guys are up to. Yeah, people talk about AI and, and, and we certainly have embraced AI and machine learning. But for me, it was more about what we want to do is deliver a great experience. We think, like I said, that model of more problems, more revenue doesn't make any sense. And so we wanted to flip that model around where we use force multiplier technology, AI, ML, headlines in that, but there's lots of other DevOps and automation. But for the people listening, what we're trying to do is really develop a much better experience with IT. And how? what does that look like? First of all, we don't want you to have to call us. So we want to be the best help desk you never have to call. Uh, and, and some of our, our initial clients, once we've built this new engine, if you will, they went from calling a help desk an hour and a half a month. These are individual employees in a business down to now they're only spending 15 minutes, 10 minutes a month dealing with IT issues. Mm -hmm. And we've done that by really using predictive technology. So we can predict when you're going to have problems. We can anticipate when you're going to have requests or needs and get ahead of that and really go proactive instead of just living in this reactive world. That's really important because you've you've got to stay ahead of these things. You can't wait till you get a ransomware and all your stuff's gone. You're locked down. You're like, absolutely. Uh, what do we do now? Do they have ways of backing up this data? It would seem to me like a lot of hospitals should just back up the data somewhere. Or are there any ransomware people able to get into that? Or are they just not backing stuff? On ransomware in particular, it's you can back up data, but but if you have all of your systems down, mm-hmm. the time it would take to restore all those systems. Uh, sometimes is weeks, months, and they oh, simply wow. don't have that time. And so they end up paying the rent. My restores were large. <laughs> yeah, when you, you, or, or you just rebuild all your workstations. These things take oh. sometimes weeks yeah. uh, if you don't have them architected properly. And and a lot don't. And, and then some companies are getting sued now by their own employees for exposing their you know social security numbers and other sure. privacy data. So that's that. Not only that, you have to pay the ransomware people or whatever you decide to do. You got your employee suing you now. So you got you just it's just hitting you. There's a lot of risks, right? And mm-hmm. so we take a asymmetrical view around this stuff. So I think mm-hmm. one of the challenges that, that that firms do is they assess risk as if right there's a, a risk of firewall and phishing and ransomware and all and DDoS and all these different forms of attack, and they try to put a thin layer of protection against all of them. We like to look at a firm and if you have a lot of patient records or you have a lot of financial data, let's put a disproportionate amount of the protection around those assets that would cause you the most pain should something happen to them. And it it sounds rational when I say it to you, but in practice, people just don't do that. There are asymmetric risks, but there are not asymmetric solutions generally. And we think that's a mistake and something we're, we're changing. What's the biggest problems in these companies? Is it complacency? Is it just, uh, it's, it's kind of like people who are like, oh, I'll probably never get COVID. And then I was like, oh, Yeah, sure. I, I, the COVID example is great. I haven't fully worked through that, that, that metaphor. But I, I will tell you, if you ask people, do you think there are going to be an increase in cyber attacks over the next 12 months? Everyone, when we do these surveys, say, says yes. Oh, yeah. And when you ask them what they're doing differently, 
The answer is usually blank. Uh, but there's a little bit of cognitive dissonance that goes on where they just don't take action against something they know. There's a little bit like it's going to happen to the other guy. It's going to happen to the bigger company. It kills me the most when someone says, hey, we don't have anything. No one's targeting us. No one knows us. That's not the way it works. You know, they're very opportunistic. They, they being the bad actors. And so I, I think people understand the risk theoretically, but they don't think about it happening in their own backyard. I wonder if, yeah, I wonder if some of the assumption was as well, they go after the big companies like IBM and, For sure. you know, all that stuff. And then all of a sudden now you're seeing these little places getting hit, not too little, big enough, but hospitals really, especially targeted and stuff. It's really crazy. You guys won an award recently. And tell us about that award that you guys uh, won. Let's see. It was the most innovative technology firm and best IT managed firm by HFM Technology. Yeah. So as I said, we've spent a lot of time in the hedge fund space and, and, and this particular organization recognized us for one, delivering great service, but two, I, which one, the one I was more proud of was the innovative technology. We're really changing the way people deliver service in this space. And the reality is it doesn't matter if we're using a whole bunch of individuals, if we're using AI, if we're using machine learning. The reality is the experience is great. No one cares whether Uber or Amazon are using a lot of AI. They are, right? But the reality is you care about the experience, right? And that's what we're doing in the IT world and mm. cyber world. And we're using a lot of sophisticated technology. We have three data scientists on board. We have some of the best product managers, data engineers. And these are just roles that aren't typically at an outsourced IT shop. And we're really delivering great service and turning the industry on its head. That's really important because I remember, this is going back 10 or 20 years, I remember some of the IT departments that we would work with or IT staff that we had, they, you were always interrupting their OnlyFans watching it, and uh, they always treated you as they give you that whole, like you said, have you tried turning it on or turning it off again? Well, they're eating their sandwich and you're just like, uh, isn't this your job? They always treating you like, you, you're bothering me. I'm busy. And so I think it's great that you guys have those sort of resources and you're putting that sort of strategy into it. There's a thing that you guys are doing in collaboration with Stephen Cohen of yeah. 72 Hyperscale. Give yeah. us a little bit of information about that because it deals with AI. Yeah, Steve Cohen, the, the now famous owner of the New York Mets. I worked at his hedge fund for, for 10 years and then they became my largest client. And then about 18 months ago, they became uh, our lead investor. The Hyperscale Fund has this thesis that says there's a tremendous amount of value to unlock in more traditional human-based organizations. And as you were describing, the traditional help desk or IT department or outsourcer they were certainly, they that kind of business, that market really fit their strategy. They knew us. We were actually providing them support. They thought we did a great job, but with partnering with them, with an infusion of their capital and enable us to make investments in AI, in data scientists, in product to really allow us to, to scale. And the great thing is with our business model, we do better financially, economically, when we're more efficient. What drives efficiency is our clients having less problems. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, that's what clients want. They don't want problems. Yeah, they don't they want, want less block, right? They want I less don't want to hear from the IT guy. You really don't, right? We want to be the we want to be the modern Maytag man. We're bored because everything we're doing is proactive behind the scenes and you're not having to reach out to us. And we think with the right amount of of force multiplier technology, AI, ML, automation we're achieving that. We're well on it. We're, we think we're in the early innings, but we're already developing and producing really great results. 
And that's because of this partnership we have with Point72 and uh, the, the Hyperscale Fund. Can you share any examples of how you're using AI to achieve better results for your clients? Yeah, for sure. So at the at the heart of it, and, and for those that really understand AI, I apologize for oversimplifying, but the heart of it, AI is a model. And mm-hmm. what a model does is make predictions, right? Mm-hmm. And then if the model is accurate enough, you can automate actions based on those predictions. And so at a very simple scale, um, Chris, if you were to email into our uh, environment and, and, and had a problem, your email would go through about seven models. We oh. would do some natural language processing. We mm-hmm. would under, try to understand what the issue is, what your intent is, what your sentiment is, all for the purpose of routing that to the right person. Wow. And then also enriching that data so that the agent that gets it is prepared to solve it. And the analogy I like to use is, right, we don't just send a cook a recipe. We send the cook the recipe with all of those ingredients pre-chopped. Because how much easier is it to make a meal when all of those ingredients are pre-chopped for you and all prepared? And so that's a one way we're using AI to just really speed up the process, make the experience better for you, make the experience a ton better for our agent, right? They're prepared, they, they have what they need, super powerful. And then on the more, and that's a basic example, the more extreme example is we're predicting problems. Mm-hmm. So we're using AI to predict when you will have a problem next, you or your next, and then being able to proactively go in and solve that before it's a problem. That's pretty brilliant. I wish there was also a sediment feature when I call my cable company so that they could be like, he's using the F word. He's swearing a lot right yeah. now because, you know, you're going through the 50 things with the cable company. Sure. And uh, we should probably get him to someone now. He sounds angry. I could use that yeah, at GoDaddy so too. And, and, and that's an easy one, right? I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a new, a more nuanced one we detected recently, which a client said to us, it's still not working. And our engine picked that up that said they were really upset. Because think about it. We had tried two times to fix something and they that was their form of frustration. We and, and then it got escalated immediately. It got notified to a manager, all these things, as opposed to waiting till that person got really upset after the fact. We were able to to try to nip that in the bud early in the process. And again, we want to avoid that, but I'm really proud that we have something in there that is able to detect that so that we can action it. And then what is your vision for your company's AI security and IT platform? Do you think the traditional model of technology support needs to be disrupted? Is this going to be, is AI the thing to disrupt it? Tell us a little bit more about that if you would. Yeah, I think AI is a piece of it. To answer your question broadly, yes, I I think the entire way IT support, cyber support is delivered is going to be disruptive. I think there's a ton of different parallels. What Uber Lyft did to to point to point transportation is a great one. And I think we're going to do something quite similar. On your point, though, around AI, it's not going to only be an AI based solution because I think there's a point where people want and need humans. What we're trying to do is actually make that the the area where our humans interact with our human clients Mm -hmm. the most impactful, right? Let robots, let AI go out and gather the data, pre-chop those ingredients so that when we do have that human-to-human interaction, it's short, it's efficient, and it's really focused on the things that humans do. And I think that combination is is incredibly powerful. Yes, AI is important, but let's not forget the human element there. 
That's really true too. Although I don't know, I, I see some people on Facebook that I could really start doing without the human element. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Touché, touché, fair point. But but definitely in customer service, uh, they yeah. need more of that in the customer service thing, sure. and uh, all the stuff that they're doing over there. And another question I had for you: What are your clients telling you about the improved service? Has it helped or changed their business, or what do they expect it to do? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. There's kind of two two parts to that answer. The first part we kind of retrain them. And we're still in the process of doing that because oftentimes they, they measured us by how many problems we fixed. Oh. And as we started fixing more problems and they had less problems, they thought, well, what are you guys doing? And it was very perverse. We had to explain to them, it's really a good thing that we're doing all these things for you behind the scene and, and we're preventing. So we had to change that a little bit. But the other thing that's happening is we're able to elevate the conversation. So we're less talking about Joe and Sally's broken Excel and how they, and we're now talking about where should the business be going in six months? What are the risks that the business is currently taking? And things like very simple things like password policies, all the way up to cyber insurance and redundancies and things like that. We're able to elevate that conversation. And we have these we call them insight conversations. We give them insight into their business, how IT is working. So after we retrained them, after we talked about more of the results, we've been able to really elevate the conversation and, and we think make our clients much smarter about their IT environment. You know, that, I guess that's really important. It's amazing to me how many people will still, I guess the weakest point in some organizations are phishing email scams, people clicking a link thinking it's a, it's sure. some, from something official. And then, and I guess that is one of the ways they get into the system. Is that the most popular way that these systems are getting breached or? Yeah, for sure. Like in a huge percentage, like 97% to three, like most people and cer certainly Popular culture, movies, TV shows exacerbate the hooded hacker typing at a keyboard. Right? That's what, but the reality is it's a lot easier, right? You just send an email uh, pretending to be someone, pretending to be something and saying, hey, can I have your password? So it's a lot easier than pop culture. And the, the current stats, it's like I said, it's about 97% to three. Very few are those kind of technical hacks. Mm -hmm. uh, and so one of the things that we like to do is to remind people the settings they've chosen in the past, because with new information, new attack surfaces, new attack vectors, they might need to make new decisions. And so that's something that we like to resurface to them frequently. I should probably I should probably change my password from one two three four five. It's the same as my luggage. That that is I think that's the third most popular password right now. Is it really? Yeah, password. Spaceballs. Three. I think the movie Spaceballs popularized that password. I, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the same as my luggage. Exactly. It's a great, great. movie. Yeah. Um, so what's next for your company coming up in the future and what you guys are planning to do? Yeah, we're continuing to iterate on this. We're chopping a lot of wood on, on this. We think there's a ton more. As I said, we're in the early innings of this. We think there's a ton more of this combination of force multiplier technology and really enhancing the human connection across the entire spectrum. Like I talked about earlier, there is a massive proliferation of devices and systems. That's not changing, nor is the rapid increase of bad actors uh, and threats. So this environment's only getting more complicated. And so we have to just keep working at it every day to stay ahead of it. And at the same time, making sure that we're delivering a very good IT experience for our clients. 
And I imagine, too, people that don't need to realize it looks like Russia has really turned, and I think North Korea does a little bit of it, and then maybe China. But North Korea has really turned this into an industry for themselves where they're really just trying to destroy America, I think, at this point with hacking. And people really need to realize it's come up a few levels. Am I assessing that correctly? Yeah, I think I'll, I'll leave the, the assessment of some of that to the State Department. But what I will say is for North Korea, it's an income stream for the country. I, I'm not sure that, they're, that they aim as high as destroying America as it is to profit off America through crime. But your overall sentiment is absolutely right. You have factions within Russia. You have factions within North Korea, within parts of the Middle East that are very hard to have any kind of repercussions on when they do something. Yeah. And so there's a little, and even in kind of parts of Northern Africa, there are regions where there is no consequence and the barrier to entry from a cost standpoint is extraordinarily low. They need an internet connection and some computers. It's very cheap. And then they're able to go to town start and start monetizing. So yeah, it's a real problem that's not slowing down anytime soon. Yeah, nothing gets done in Russia without the uh, without Putin's approval, pretty much. Yeah, it's uh, it's it just seems to be getting worse and every day. And, and you don't even hear about a lot of ransomware stuff because a lot of hospitals or other people don't want to announce it. But it's definitely crazy. Anything more that we haven't touched on that we should touch on about your company and what you guys are doing? I, I think for us, the how that we're doing it gets a lot of attention, the AI and the ML. Unless, while we spend a lot of time on that internally, I think for our clients, they just receive a better experience. They just spend less time with IT. They just have, they spend less time proving their own cyber posture and that's what I want people to, to take away is there is a better way to experience IT. Yeah. Yeah. The, you guys have, I think I saw 300 employees, 300 plus employees, yeah. and I think six different offices. I, I lost. Yeah. We're, yeah it's, it's, all, it's all fluid now with COVID, but yeah, we're about 300 employees constantly growing and really looking at growing in more of this data science space. Mm -hmm. We think if you're able to prevent a problem, that's a win-win for everyone, for Ajo and our clients. And so that's really where our focus is. There you go. And that's, uh, do you pretty much serve any countries around the world, at least ones that, you know, are allowed by the State Department? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we have what I consider client assets, and that could be hardware or people really all over the globe. Most yeah. of our clients are, are based in the U.S., the UK, but then they have satellite offices all over the world. In the coming years, we'll start growing a bit more internationally. That's awesome, man. That's yeah. awesome. Bart, it's been wonderful to have you on. Thank you very much for coming Thanks, on the show and spending time with us. Yeah, uh, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. And give us your plug so people can find you on the interwebs, get to know you guys more. Sure. Yeah, it's uh, Bart McDonough. I'm the CEO of Agio, A-G-I-O.com. My Twitter is Bart McD, B-A-R-T-M-C-D. There you go. There you go. Guys, check him out. Uh, also go to YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Voss, for the show to your families, friends, and relatives. Go to all our groups on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all those different places you can see us. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you guys next time.